Listen, I have an idea. An idea. An idea. Whatever today has given you Five eleven headaches still call it Thanksgiving True Welcome to another edition of the Super Duper Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Griggs, here with the super producer, Ez McMahon. Yes. <laughs> What's going on, Rob? How you doing, man? I'm good, my man. How about yourself? I am doing all right, man. Doing yeah. all right. Glad to be here. What's the hat today? Is that, that Clark Atlanta? This is... No, no, no. This is uh, Chicago American Giants of the Negro Leagues. Ah. So you got the, uh, the Chicago flag there. Ah, that's dope. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for checking out the Super Duper Pod. We do not take your listens lightly. Make sure you follow us on our socials, S-U-P-A-D-U-P-A-P-O-D. What up, Sarah? And online at hp53productions.com for our mer her 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 hurts. We are internationally known and locally respected. We do a country check-in next week, man. I love talking to my folks out in the world. Hopefully nobody in Russia because Russia got it bad. I don't want to. Yeah, it's rough over there right so, now, man. Hey, man, if y'all are listening to us in Russia, turn hey, it off. Can you can you imagine wow. you, you you protesting, uh, or or wait wait mourning for you know the the, yeah. the death of someone and they're arresting you, dog. So if y'all look again, that's y'all crazy. List, if y'all just a throwback, y'all listening Mother Russia, <laughs> Mother Russia. If y'all listening Mother Russia, turn us off right now, yeah. now. Um, but again, but but all jokes aside, all who are impacted, like seriously, man, that's pretty for y'all. It's Russia. Ooh, glad I live in the U.S. of A. But again, uh, make sure you check us out on, on online at hp53productions.com for our merch, for additional content such as the Father Good Podcast on our own Asic Man with the Easy Smoke and GM Podcast. I told Ed before we got started, I'm just going to move out the way. He was right about the All-Star game. Again, I'm still going to watch it. It's for the fans. It's for the fans. No, no. But, they're disrespecting us as fans. Go ahead, Cook, man. Go ahead. They are y'all. disrespecting the fans, man. When you when you come out and you just play with just just zero effort at all. All right. I, uh Anthony Edwards came out and said, you know, for us is is, you know, we we don't we don't want to put too much effort in. We don't want to get injured. And, you know, it's it's really just a just a vacation. No. It's supposed to be uh, 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 entertainment for the fans. What the what they showed on Sunday night was not entertainment, man. That was, that was garbage. Mm. Two hundred points scored. Oh wait, wait, almost four hundred points scored total. Yeah, in a, in a basketball game, zero defense played. Uh, it was it was a it was a joke, man. It was a yeah. joke because they said Adam Silver was mad because you know oh. they, they they getting ready to negotiate. He was like, "So guys, I guess you scored the most points." Wait, Adam yeah. Silver, man. The, <laughs> he was the mad. way, hey, the way he gave away the the first because he gave away the trophy for the winning team, mm-hmm. and then the the MVP, and he just he was so disgusted. Yeah, I get you. You guys scored the most points here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what they missed because his thing is like I'm trying to sell this dog. Exactly, I'm trying to get y'all money, dog. Can y'all exactly. can give me one game? You exactly. And so now it's going to over time. That's going if you, if you don't give the effort, it's going to affect uh, the money that a Turner Sports or an ESPN is going to want to pay. Yeah, for the All Star game, and then yeah, that that affects that affects the bottom line. But now technically the ratings were up, or or at least well, the ratings were yeah good. because people like me. 
kept it on. It was nothing else to watch. Y'all hate watching. But I, but I think also the problem is because remember before the All Star game, it wasn't that much, that much of a break between the All Star game and the, the next part of the season. You know what I'm saying? It was like they off another. They they played tomorrow. This is Wednesday, so that's what four days off they had. Yeah, they, they get they get well, a full week. Well, yeah, right. I mean, what I guess if you weren't in the All Star game, it's a full week. Yeah, you get a full week. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, it's just like uh, they. You know, I don't know, man. I I I, I gotta say it. It was something I told you. I had it on the, on the on the laptop. I let the kids watch the big TV, um, and it was just kind of like looking at the, just like Dame, just shooting from wherever, shooting I, from half so, court, just la la la. But I'm, it was so shots was, from half court. When Steph won MVP though, he was he he dropped fifty, but it was like a fifty day kind of. Was neat and he he you know Steph just do it better. He was turning around, talking to people. You know, it was like he just he's out of cold. Carl man. Anthony Towns scored fifty in the All Star game on Sunday. Yeah, that that had no business happening. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. man. Yeah. And at least you know what I look back at old All Star games. You know, back 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 in my day. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Uh-huh. Back in my day, you know, they 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 gave a crap. Now it wasn't, and we're not expecting you know playoff type basketball in this. Mm-hmm. Just give just a little effort. So so what do you want then? So like if, if you're not expecting playoff basketball, what do you want? I want, I think Stephen A. Smith said it best. They get they give more effort in summer league, you know what I'm saying? Playing, playing in pro ams. Oh, they like do. the like the Drew League. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, true. That's real. Yeah. That's real. And they and they ain't, they ain't trying to get it. It's like they ain't want to get they're it. Not, they're not, they're not, yeah. You don't right, right, right. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying you need to, you know. It needs to be, you know, you know, just just dog defense. No, just but just play some defense. Yeah, try you know? to be better. If you, try to be yeah, better. If you, you get beat, you get beat. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not expecting that. That was. Uh, they showed a game. Uh, I think it was from two, th- maybe from ninety nine, two thousand, where where it was from. There were there were like twenty six fouls called in the game. Yeah, you know, this game had three. Yeah. How does a basketball game? How does a full basketball game go? And only three fouls are called the entire Listen, game. Listen, the rest of the NHL said, "You know what? They ain't playing defense. Let's just let's get let's get out of here. Get on." Well, get no, on, there was there were no there were they called every 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 time somebody was touched, they called it. Yeah, Jeez. three times. That that yeah, it's that like they weren't happen. they weren't they weren't getting in the way to stop people, man. No. That, that's true. Yeah, no. I mean, I got nothing. Listen, I got nothing. I got nothing. I was I, no. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing, no, man. so just I, a little I, effort. That's all. And then and, and Saturday night, the slam dunk contest. Come on, man. Yeah, it's a little boo boo. I mean, they should have turned it. They should have ended it. I thought the last thing was going to be Steph and Sabrina. Like they, it probably should have because yeah. that actually was good. The three point he, the three point contest never never lets never us just, down. Yeah, Steph. It's Steph always looked, good. I think Steph did. He didn't want to drop thirty. He was cooking hey, her. He, you know he what I cooking, watched? He, he was cooking her. What? You know what I watched? I watched the celebrity all star game. Stop it! I can't do it. I can't the celebrity it. game this year was better than the actual All Star game, but it had those football players. Michael Parsons was playing right. It was really yeah. like in that Duncan. Like, yes, they were really balling, man. Yes, I was going to say CJ Stroud was playing too. Yeah, right? CJ Stroud played. Um, uh, what's my man from Kansas City? Um, um it's not Travis Kelce or Patrick Mahomes. Not, not clearly. No, yeah, no. yeah. Um, me, whatever his name is, he played. He was he uh-huh. was balling. Okay. Um, uh, Miko. Damn, what is his name? Whatever, whatever, I don't care. He was balling. Yeah. He was balling, man. So I got an idea. Okay. I got an idea. All-Star Saturday night should be the celebrity game and the three-point contest. 
Nah, because they just say I just I think I think the Rising Stars game was pretty good. Well, it's just just the format no, of it works. No, you keep the Rising Stars game on Friday. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying, and then yeah. you keep the All Star stuff on. Yeah, but you know, I think that might be some of it as well. Is that they they are try you know they're trying to milk it so much, right? It's like if I'm an All Star, this is a long weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. Before it was like, all right, the all start the Saturday night. That was it. You only have to be there Saturday and and Sunday. You don't Sunday. have to be there Saturday, really. Yeah, LeBron unless you, show up unless Sunday. Yeah, unless yeah, you're participating. Yeah, yeah. you got to show up for the for the all star practice if they have a media day on mm. Saturday, mm. and then you play on Sunday. Yeah, I it's guess. not that hard. Yeah, I got nothing. And they, and I I saw some people saying, well, you got to incentivize it for them. And that I, that that I disagree with. It's like, hold on, they got all, they, they got enough money. They all stars. They, they don't need no money, and it and it won't work because you keep going up. Is that that it got to be something else? Yeah, I'm you're at a point. Now. You're at a point right now where you get you, you the the league is, is generating all time revenues, and the players are getting well over fifty percent of the pot. What more do they want? Mm-hmm. What more? Hey you're man, not asking them to do much. I got I got nothing. Just show up for all stars. Show up and play a decent game. I, that's I, that's I, all you're asking for. I, I figured I just owed it to you to let you cook because I've been talking about you bad. So I haven't had a chance to talk about this. So I so thank you <laughs> very much. Hey, I, 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 I let you cook. Hey, listen, listen. I've been talking about you bad for weeks. Well, I've been, and... I've been. Well, you know, I've been saying this about the All Star game for at least I, the I know last you ten have, years. Dude, trust me. Listen, how long I've been knowing? I'm like, everyone watch the All Star game, and I get nah. Mm-hmm. I'm cool. I'm I out. I don't need to. I'd rather watch curling. Whatever. Really, else. really. Jeez. So, uh, but I, so. You good? You feel you good? You I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm All right. Good. Cool. Good. Let's move on. We do that from time to time. It's called the clear out. Let you cook. Just let you cook. Thank Go you ahead, very much. Man. Hold on, man. So you know, speaking of, also what's happening this weekend? A lot of people are getting sick, and you know, COVID's coming back in the news, and COVID is rearing back. A reminder for everybody: please, uh, you know, double check the expiration dates on your COVID <laughs> tests because it might, if you take one, that might say you're pregnant, you know what I'm saying? Or you got rheumatoid arthritis. I don't know. It might, it might tell you something that's not COVID related. So I suggest check your stash of free tests you got from the library, from the government, you know, from Jewel, uh, hey, from, from the cousin in them. They probably hey, like expired 22. If you got, if you got that, that, that COVID test when we were still in lockdown, <laughs> yeah, yeah nah. it's, it's no good. Use it on your cat, you know what I mean? It's just not, it's not, it's not, it's not for you. But as I was reading, you know, just checking up with different, because I, you know, the guidelines have changed over time. Because in 2020, it was like, yeah, if you got, if you got COVID, you know what I'm saying? This, we just gonna pray for you. And and then also, if you got COVID, listen, just walk west. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't hang around people. I remember when it was Donovan Mitchell from the Cavaliers. Now Cavaliers, he caught it like when, because uh, Rudy Gobert had he's patient zero. Yeah and, yeah, and Donovan was like, I'm just, I just been in my room by myself for like ten days. People sliding food under the door, you know. So according to the Washington Post, the in the CD in April, the CDC plans to pass guidelines that pretty much says if you test positive for COVID, if after 24 hours your your fever you have no fever and your symptoms have subsided, not going away, subsided. You can come back and play outside. I was like, "Ooh, really? That fast? We about to get that super COVID?" You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it's like, yeah. Now the what the CDC is like, well, you know, it hasn't been officially confirmed yet. But this is what the Washington Post has posted in, a, in an article on February 13, 2024. Yeah, man. If I if if I were in that position, if I were the czar of of the CDC, if that if that's a position, I don't I don't know whoever that person is. 
Yeah. Four or five days. Well, so here's the thing. So the one one camp is saying we have to treat this like RSV and the flu. Like it be and, and also be this is the thought, it's not my my statement, what the what the article is saying. And that because there are a lot of people who are vaccinated, who've had it, built tolerance up for it, we could treat it like it's a more common cold. But the other camp is saying COVID is different, you know, that's what we've been telling people all the time. COVID is different than the flu. It's different than RSV and it has longer complications. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like and it and it can cause some longer things to happen to people if they get it. So you still, because this is essentially saying, hey, if you get it, yeah, it's all right. It's just, you'd be sick for 24 hours. I'm not down with that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't want it, bro. And, and again, I think it might be, I know well, if we're going to do 24 hours, the mask mandate is never coming back. But I would just say, guys, be smart out there. Just wear a mask when you can. You know what I'm saying? Wear it more. I started keeping one with me. Uh, keeping one around me just because you just never know. I've been thinking about getting a mask. Hey, it's, it's 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 real. I had much. I don't want to. Maybe maybe we should because I wasn't yeah. getting sick when we was wearing masks. No, man, I was feeling. Well, you know, it's funny. It was not funny, but you know how ashy our hands were uh, in in early twenty twenty because it was like, what I'm going to use lotion for? I'm just washing my hands for fifty seconds in hot scalded <laughs> water and using bleach for so <laughs> using bleach for slow. I can't get it. It's like, uh, I can't, it's like, it's like, I can't get this job. I can't get it. No. I started that. I, I, uh, I didn't have any hand sanitizer in the car. Ooh. So I, 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 I got a, walked out with a bottle of alcohol. <laughs> Yo, again, <laughs> people, people pour alcohol on the, on the grocery carts. You know what oh, I'm saying? Man. Dude. And it, it is. This was not that long ago. Like this was not long ago, this was, bro. This was a couple years ago, bro. Dog, we was out outside in the line. That's how I started this a podcast. I was just be in line at the grocery store. I mean, for hours, yeah. picking up four, picking up four things. And guess what? I wasn't arguing with nobody. I was chilling. <laughs> I'm walking around people, not trying to get no eye contact. Nothing, man. It's you know, pouring alcohol on the boxes. That's crazy, man. And so they say now, nah, if you got COVID, yeah, it's cool. Twenty four hours, you'll be fine, bud. And there's your arm falling off. So y'all. By the way, I saw I saw my man. That's uh, what to say. A shout out, man. My man, Chris Kafka. I hadn't seen. I haven't seen him since the lockdown, man. We Damn. we worked together, and as soon as uh, soon after the the lockdown, he took another position within the company. Mm-hmm. So he's working remote at all the games and everything. So I haven't I haven't seen this dude in four years. Yeah. He came into the office today. I'm wow. like, damn! I ain't seen you since 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 we got locked out, man. It was, good. it was good to see him, man. So it was that just happened today. You say Happy New Year? I did not say Happy New Year to him because <laughs> it's February 21st. But I did say it's good to see you. How you been the last four yeah, years? I haven't seen him all year. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You would do it wrong. Yeah, wrong. I, I mean, wrong. I would have had to wish him Happy New Year for since 2020. You got time, bro. Yeah, last conversation, man. So, <laughs> but y'all be safe out here. So today we got special guests. Big brother, Dr. Dwayne Williams, uh, he always brings us some great thought starters and conversations. I make sure to reiterate the books he leaves at the end of his uh, conversation. But I just want to say this before we get into it. Really want to thank Dr. Williams for always supporting the Super Duper Pod. I mean, as you know, he's still our top show, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, from when we first started. And really, I think he helped kick us off with the Super Duper Pod. And I mean, you know, every time I hit him with a random idea... He's always ready and willing to come on. So I love World for that, man. And really, you know, a lot of our success, we owe to you, man. You put us on the map. A lot of people heard you. 
and stuck with us. And when we throw your name out there, you know, the numbers jump up, man. So, Warren, I really appreciate you. So, you know, if you're, if you're new to the Super Duper Pod, you're in for a treat. Again, Dr. Williams is so passionate about just history and Black people and, and telling the story and keeping it straight. So, uh, you know, in this Black History Month, we talked to Dr. Williams about cultural appropriation, Beyonce, and Wu-Tang. Trust me, it'll make sense when you listen. Our special guest, our, our top rated guest ever on the Super Duper Pie, still continues to this day, man. The one and the only, my big brother, Dr. Dwayne Williams, aka World. How you doing, big bro? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be in the world with my, my brother, and I cannot wait to get going, man. We got a lot to talk about. And here's the thing we're not even talking about stuff related to black history, but we're just going to be we about to rock and roll. This is great. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And so, listen, I got to get you on the pie one day. We were talking about like, Movies and you know silly stuff. I think I'm sure you'll yeah. love to be a part of that conversation too. You're not just oh, a, you oh, know, you're not just a serious yeah. black history guy all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make it happen. That's so listen, good. man. I, so I hit you, and I appreciate you getting you, my big brother. Your eyes respond because I was watching uh, something on social media. We were just talking about social media about yeah. how people were saying, you know, Beyonce when she had dropped her album on the Super Bowl. My, you know, sidebar. She took Usher's spotlight. He did the whole halftime show. Right, right, right. You're talking about Beyonce's album, but that's neither here nor there. But hey. of course, it's it's a country album, right? Right. And then you start. I started seeing videos of like white country artists saying, you know, she's not country, she's not this, she can't do it, yada yada yada. And it started just getting me thinking about just cultural appropriation in general, right? And just that's something like as black people, that's something that we have just lived with over the years, and the term that's thrown around there, right? And, uh, you know, and that got me thinking about how how dare they say she can't do this when, like, right. this is what happens a lot. So I, I just want you to help help school the audience because we hear that term cultural appropriation, right? And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think people really know what it means. Could you just define it for us and give a couple of examples? Of Look, I, I think the shortest example of it is, you know, when someone borrows from another person's cultural traditions, okay, and presents it as if it's new or different or novel. Right. Mm-hmm. All people have culture. Cultural and cultural production is about the ways in which we speak and talk and create and, and make meaning out of the world. Right. And so one of the problems with this phrase of cultural appropriation is you're basically saying you're taking my creation, my creative creation, my intellectual creation, my spiritual creation and presenting it as your own. And that's that's stealing. Right. So if we one of the one of the responses is you're basically borrowing my stuff and then not acknowledging or affirming that wh- what the source is mm-hmm. right that's that's a kind of a uh, plagiarism for some people right so you're you're presenting as your you're presenting a production a human production a cultural production as your own as if it's fresh and new and original when in fact we know what the origins of it are and it's not so much that people are borrowing or incorporating, right? The appropriation is about the taking. And that's, we can have, we don't have enough time to talk about the, the, the how encounters lead to the taking of things that aren't yours, right? So you can go from everything from Picasso's borrowing of, you know, African influences in his art. You can go back to even the president's whole idea, this conversation that, that um, you know, that somehow Beyonce is not country enough. I think, I think the, I think the idea that 
Beyonce is in country enough is, is laughable and it's not it's not they're not morally equivalent because on the one hand first of all she's a musician second of all she's a texan third of all uh the origins and roots of country music always go back to uh always rooted in the african and african-american experience so those things aren't there we've had she isn't the first um african-american artist i mean we had the whole celebration of tracy chapman and the whole issue of you know, uh, of, of, of country Western folk people, you know, remaking her, her fast cars, uh, uh, you know, you know, record and making it, it's, she's the first African-American woman to get to the uh, top of the country charts. And that's all about race and barriers and structures. And just for the record, we don't have that much time. <laughs> the black Pumas version of fast cars is the better version Yo. than the one that got the, the one the black pumas version is the one people should be listening to it just came out that's a great band the the cover of it is amazing without just find it ironic and it's only because it's a country western person who is borrowing but acknowledging mm -hmm. the influence all right so it's not appropriate because he's acknowledging hey i grew up as a kid it was a great song and it's you know and i like the song and i remade the song that's fine it's when you start doing things like uh, you know, you see someone like Little Richard get uh, not acknowledged as being one of the pioneers of rock and roll and Pat Boone covering the song and the response being, hey, uh, I covered the song. I moved out of units. And so, uh, you know, it's not my fault that, that you know, that they want to put me on the cover of a song or or even let's go right to it. Big Mama Thornton's uh, You Ain't Nothing But A Hound Dog and you have Elvis's You Ain't Nothing But A Hound Dog. That, the song is written for Big Mama Thornton, and then you have Elvis taking that song, and now people think that's the defining, the moves, the gyrations, all that kind of stuff. Well, he's from Arkansas. He grew up in near and around American culture. Of course, he borrowed the things that were influenced. We all do that, right? So mm -hmm. it's not the, when people talk about cultural, cultural appropriation, it's, to me, it's always about, are you acknowledging, are you affirming, or are you taking as if you originated the idea? And it's the idea of where does the origins of those ideas come from? What are the roots are? And are you able to make those connections, right? Uh, no one calls hip hop, uh, you know, appropriation, but it has roots in jazz and R&B. I mean, we, we're celebrating it because we can see that the links are there and no one's arguing that. Sure, sure. Uh, but when someone does something that seems like it's, you are acknowledging, you, you know, you're, you're mimicking or, you know, drawing from that tradition and it's unacknowledged, that's appropriation because it's the unacknowledged affirmation that is the appropriate, that is the taking, right? That's the problem. So Elvis and Pat Boone appropriating rock music and acting as if their original ideas, that's taking because it's the unacknowledgement of it, right? It's like, it's like Coltrane's Love Supreme. The first step is the acknowledgement. If you acknowledge it, we don't call it appropriation. We call it a remake. We call it, it's fantastic. But when you don't do it, you're like, wait a minute, George Michaels won the best R&B, uh, but George Michaels is a uh, is a was a British, uh, you know, musician who would have been the first one to say, I love R&B music, I grew up with it. The Beatles say the same thing. Like I grew up with this, so yeah, I'm not saying that these people didn't do it. In fact, you know, Muddy Waters got a whole new career because the Rolling Stones came along and said that's what we were listening to. They weren't saying. I'm not listening to Muddy Waters. I don't know who he is, right? Mm -hmm. So appropriation is always a little tricky because it's loaded politically. And the best, my kind of haiku on it is, 
when we talk about appropriation, we're talking about taking without acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so now when you fast forward to 24 mm -hmm. and you think about, you know, you hear about TikTok users that come up with dances and challenges, what have you. And like, so that these are black folks, right? Coming up with some routine, what have you, then maybe a white user, they take it and then they blow up. So it's not, so now it seems like now, and maybe then you can expound upon it. It's, it wasn't even just, maybe there's acknowledgement, sure. But then that revenue wasn't even attached to the acknowledgement as well. So how, so how about that? Well, listen, that's the uh, TikTok. Um, tick, you know, TikTok, so-called technological or social media appropriation, is no different than any other genres. Yeah. As long, it's it's always been. We're gonna put. Uh, I, I was look. I was listening to Otis Redding the other day, and the cover of the album was this blonde woman on the cover. Because hey, we can't sell Otis Redding in the South, right? But then we can have some. We can have other other groups come along and sing those same songs, and they're gonna make more money. That's what I was talking about with Pat Boone. Pat Boone takes a song from Little Richard, and he makes he sells more units, and that's no different than a TikToker looking at a, a dance or a routine from a, a black performer or you know a creative, and then next thing you know, they're getting you know, they're influencing the outcome or getting, you know, having access to capital and, and resources in a way that black performers that's that's the that's a variation of the same thing. It's a postmodern version of it. The platform doesn't matter. I'll go back to this over and over. Whether it's TikTok, whether it's music, reading, uh, language, right? If you walk into the African American History Museum, they have this great quote which says that God created black people and black people created style. Okay, and then from that, the other styles generate. So it's like, okay, this great dance is there, and there's this TikToker who has uh, 500 million uh, people or five million people, and then somebody else who did has 50. That's that. That is a commentary about structural and technological racism, and about the production of knowledge. It's and about capital. It's not about someone not acknowledging. They just acknowledge that if we're in the business of generating, um, you know, followers and and feeds and, and 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 clicks, whoever does that is where we're going to gravitate to. And if we know that we can tap into the meaning systems of people, as uh, Bruce Lincoln says, and if I know that if I tap into the meaning system of people and I present the same thing, but I have a white performer doing it and more people do it, and that's going to make money, why wouldn't I do that? That's a capitalist enterprise. I don't know. Uh, we can critique cap all we want to, but their record companies sell records, TikToks, People sell views and they sell followers, uh, whether that's on X or so-called Twitter. Yeah. It's, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I heard one technological person say that uh, in the area of social media, it's always about the number of people who are following a product, who are affirming a product, and they don't. It doesn't matter who does it because ultimately, what I'm selling is the information about what can I market to Robbie, what can I uh, what can I market to a group of people who are following that TikToker? That's what I'm trying to do. I don't really actually care about the dance. I only care that the dance draws them toward a product that I can sell, uh, a way I can uh, you know build a a kind of an assessment of who they are. What's the, what, what's the what's the age width? Is it 18 to 30? Is it 30 to 44? Is it 40 to 54? Who am I trying to market? Whatever I'm trying to market to. And I know that more eyes are going to go to TikTok one as opposed to African-American TikTok. That's 
Is that appropriation or is that capitalism working in technology? So I, I don't know about that. Yeah. But, you know, it's all, it's always like, though, cultural appropriation is something we accept in our culture. Like we just accept that once we once this gets hot, somebody going to take it and then, you know, do do along with and like the black thing is like we just start creating something new right we start saying stuff right. a different way y'all right. say it's good we say it's bad y'all say it's cold right. we say not yet you know now we saying it's hot now you know what i'm saying like right so, right, but, right but the question is like why does it keep happening like it's almost like we just we just know this is the mode like once like shout out to sarah she does social media for us i had a tickle because one episode we was talking about like how it was a white woman selling bonnets but I guess you call it like satin sacks or something else. And I was like, that what? This ain't and this was like world. This was like a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I well, love we it. Just we just accepted that that's true, man. Accepted. There's a deep irony, but again, you can play into things. The taking, the process of taking without acknowledge is something that happens across the board. Yeah. It's a it's a double-edged sword. It's an acknowledgement that the source, the original source, one of the key sources of cultural production in American life, and one could even say across the diaspora, a global life, uh, comes often from these African diasporic people. That the influence, the dance, the song, the culture, the spaces where we've been, had access to, people appropriate it, right? They wear Jordans, they listen to our music. If you look at hip-hop in China, look at, okay, it's because those are the spaces where people of African descent have been able to express themselves and create cultural production. So it's not surprising that they're stealing it because we always thrive in the spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have opportunity to thrive. I wrote a paper once called Stealing Bases in Sacred Spaces. It's about Jackie Robinson and how Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier. But anybody who watched black baseball know that Jackie Robinson was just playing baseball the way black people play baseball. If you understood what was happening in Negro League. So, yes, he's he's running between first and second base. He's still in the home. But if you understood Negro League baseball, that was common. It was just that the platform where he did it got more attention than the fact that what he was doing. So that's no different than why we don't why we don't make a big deal about it is that it's common because the sources of cultural production in our society, the center speak, the center of gravity, so to speak, has has been always been black people. Where you think music comes from, song comes from, drum comes from, hip hop, gospel, blues, jazz. I mean uh, you know, a uh, fashion, uh, bonnets. Okay, it's because that's the center <laughs> of gravity. Okay, Bon, we we invented bonnets, and then people got onto it. But that's the cultural production. I mean, to me, it makes it makes a kind of illogical sense because that's always what happens. Ask yourself, where are the spaces where Black people have access to a certain be creative? We see that flourishing, and then the, the society, the community, the larger, both macro and micro uh, societies, uh, began to mimic those things, and they take them, and then they just become normal. That's so-called pop culture, right? It goes from the margin to popular culture. We we've done that all the time. We do it in sports, we do it in music. But this is what I would say: we would do it in investment banking if we had space in those places. Mm -hmm. We just don't have as much space. It doesn't mean that we can't do it. It just means the places where we go. We shape and define and redefine what's the standard for excellence, for creativity, for interesting. We do those things, right? We do it in architecture. Any place where we get, we have a chance to assert that creative capacity and create something, we do. And then it has an impact on how other people think. And again, the question isn't whether it has impact. It's whether 
it gets acknowledged. Let me make this point before we shift. Yeah. To give you a sense of what I'm trying to get at, remember this. The Wu-Tang Clan is greatly influenced by Japanese culture. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So let's well, talk about cultural appropriation. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about hip-hop appropriation of uh, their version, interpretation of Italian, American subculture, mob culture, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, let's, let's understand. We get influenced. We may make it into something different, but the Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, right? We, we, that's how it is. So if that's the case, guess what? The Wu and all the thirty-six chambers—that's Japanese culture, okay? Yeah. So we made we we incorporated hip hop. We created hip hop, but we infused our influences from other places. Right. And the, the Wu Tang Clan have said, "Hey, that's the kind of cultural appropriation." We were young guys; we didn't really understand what that was about. We were acknowledging, we were liking it, but they weren't denying that they were influenced by Japanese anime and karate and all the things you know all the different cultural uh, uh, uh martial art forms that shaped their their thinking and samurai culture they were they saying yeah we were listen to the wu-tang clan and you understand anything about south uh asian culture and about japanese culture you clearly know these guys that we know what they're looking at what cartoons they're looking at and what 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 media is influencing them right and it's just that that happens so that's taking with acknowledgement as opposed to taking without acknowledgement Right. And what they're mad about with Beyonce is that how she has the audacity to simply draw a tradition that she actually comes from and not genuflect too hard. I think if she had gone through the traditional Nashville, had done a Darius Rucker version of, yeah. you know, I'm a kiss ring of country of country western, there wouldn't have been a problem. The problem is that if you listen to the song that she released, it's just a legitimate old school fashion. It's not yeah. even it's not even that it, it takes much imagination. It's that what you're really saying is you don't like the way in which I asserted my agency around culture. And so you're going to punish me. The problem is she's one of the few pop stars who can thumb her nose at that and say, you know what? I don't need it. I dropped the album when I wanted to and a song when I wanted to. And if a radio station in Oklahoma wants to say they don't want to play it, what happens is I got uh, the uh, the uh, the answers, the helpers, the beehive to come and say, if you don't play this song on the country western, we're going to do something about it. We can impact your your yeah. business. And then you get the, what had happened was, actually, I didn't listen to it. I just heard Beyonce, and I didn't know it was a, you know it was a, a country yeah. western song. So, yeah. you yeah. know. And, and see, now, and even in your, and I appreciate you, man, because even in your, as you've been explaining to us, you've been giving us examples of just like, different examples of cultural appropriation. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of how, and some people may not even think it, but, but the, what I've always noticed is how it's like, it's it's a double-edged sword because you said it. Once we get into a certain space or industry, whatever filter we have and put into it, it that then becomes a norm. But it's Wait. almost this weird thing about like, but it's like, for example, I never forget when Hillary Clinton, so you know, I remember the dab was like the biggest thing, shout out to the Migos, the biggest thing in the world. And I remember vividly when the dab died, when Hillary Clinton did it on the campaign trail and i was like see it's dead and it's like it, it's like that it's almost a weird space like when it's when it's kind of in the same black space black culture space it's, it stays right. cool until it's right. out and the politicians are doing it. it's like oh, it's dead right. well, it's been co-opted see appropriation is one thing then there's the co-option of it right so to me mm -hmm. that's pop culture when it becomes common right um i was looking at the we are uh, we looking at the um the 30 for 30 about the fab five and how you know now people wear black socks and they wear baggy shorts and yeah, yeah. It's just it's, it's, you know I'm you know I play you know I play ball I'm like 
I, I, didn't, I don't necessarily like that. I'm like, I don't want to wear uh, capris when I'm playing basketball. But, but the generation of people who came after me, yeah. they were influenced by the fan for They got to have baggy shorts. They got to be long. And they got to wear black socks. That's common. Well, that's just pop culture. No one's, no one's going to acknowledge the 5-5 five, five shape or define basketball culture in that way, per se. But everybody wears baggy shorts now. And if you don't wear those baggy shorts, you wear those, you know, uh, pre-1991 shorts, the, sh- the short shorts or whatever we wore. People look at you like you're crazy. Like yeah. it, it never was. Listen, but that that's just an acknowledgement that someone came in, did something different. It shaped in the fine and then everybody picked it up. So mm-hmm. incorporating that and it becoming popularized is one thing. And often with any kind of cultural forms, we begin to we look when we look at the origins, we wonder well, why is it that these baggy shorts or this particular music or this style, how did it get popular? And we trace it back. And what happens is the further you go back, you go back to the origins, you go back to the core. And often, more times than not, there's an important role that African Americans have played. Here's another example. I just saw a story about the fact that while New Orleans is known for jazz, it has this great, great operatic tradition. And mm. that, and that, uh, in the antebellum period, right? The music that the music that was defining it was this classical music, and many of them were classical composers and classical performers, and most of them were, uh, you know, people of African descent who were defining the classical tradition. And there are very few people who are going to say, "Hey, uh, when I think about opera, I think about black people." But the reality is that if you have been in a certain moment in nineteenth century, the definers of kind of New Orleans mu- music, uh, you know, was classical musicians. It wasn't It wasn't that it was uh, jazz or the precursor to jazz. It wasn't that, you know, it isn't those things. So it's the question of when you look at the origins, if you can acknowledge where the, where, where the seed was planted and how it grew, that's a good thing. But if you can't acknowledge or you can't find it or you get confused about it, then people start feeling like they're slighted. Right. When people start wearing bonnets and I keep going to bonnets, I think it's ironic. It's like <laughs> you're wearing bonnets, but do you know where they came from? And there have been so many times when I've said that, like, you're doing this thing, but do you know where it came from? And when the answer is no, that's a defeat. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's a defeat. Now, and I'm going to make a math point. It's your fault because you gave me a book about Benjamin Banner could have sent me on a path for loving math. But hey, uh, it's, it's like I own that all day. I've been it, talking it, about Benjamin it feels like there's this like. Ma- this magical intersection of popularity and it being black culture where it still maintains black culture where it's not caught. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it mm-hmm. feels like popularity is all, you know, that's what we're reaching for. As you talked about getting to platform, get to space, but it's like, there's a fine line. Once you get past a certain part of popularity, it's like, you don't, you, you have no more control over it. Right. And no, it's like, what's, and you know, I think that's, that's the part as a, maybe a black person or any person of color that's trying to like still be part of the community but wanting to be popular because that's where the money is right but another thing is that we confuse that we we, don't, we often i don't buy it and i'm not from school of thought that the only way it can be authentic is if it's this harness in these spaces these multiple spaces where black voices and black cultures are created there isn't one black culture we all know it's not monolithic yeah. well there are many spaces and intersections intersections where people create culture people of african descent and so my point is if the only way it can be authentic if it remains in the spaces where we are then that limits us right mm-hmm. and it's just like when Hughes once said we're good and we ugly too to be able to acknowledge the humanity of black people 
excuse me, we have to acknowledge the idea that we can create these things and they can start in a place and they can grow beyond the place in which we can harness or control them. Like that's okay because it won't be the last thing. And again, I'll go back to this. Elements of American style, of course, are defined by blackness. There's a direct link between the many, the multiple ways, multiple voices and ways that black people define things and style and culture. And there have been many things that rocket ships that have taken off, they've started our culture space and taken off and become something big. But guess what? Um, we, we repeat and we renew and we regenerate new ideas. We never get stuck. So one of the things that make any definition of black culture or black culture expression valuable is this. We're able to actually create new spaces. We don't have, we're not a one hit wonder, right? Mm -hmm. We create something and guess what? We go into something else. Something that's cool, a pocket square, a hat. Hats are big, they're wide, they're bell bottom. And guess what? We just change and we adapt and we grow. That thing is unique to those African descended people. We don't, we're not static. It's the, it's the dynamic way in which we express ourselves that is so appealing to other people that you can just like, wow. It's like the, the thing I hear is that um, when I hear African-American women talk about how people are fascinated that one day they can come with their hair blonde like Beyonce and then braids the other day and then straight and then the Afro. Those are just, you're still the same person. The core of you is still the same, but the elements of your style, your ability to expand in that way, people feel restricted. Whereas people of African descent, I wouldn't take the kinds of risks that you have to take if you want to survive in this space, a space that's not defined for you to survive in. There is no way, as Nikki Giovanni always talk about, that we could survive if we weren't willing to have the, adaptab the adaptability and the resilience that's required to change. That's what culture is about. Cultural production is about that. And the, this conversation about cultural appropriation is about the idea. What you're really saying is you kind of want Black people to be static and you kind of want us to only have those seeds grow in the forest where we are. It doesn't work like that. We're way too dynamic for that. We're way too dynamic to be stopped or be static. And yes, it does mean people take things and do things with it that are unintended, that we don't want. And our answer to that is to reinvent something else. Go from good to bad, from hot to cold, all the that language. That's, that's our response to that. So when we feel like we got co-opted or it's reached beyond our control, are we going to fix you? We're going to make something new. And so you can have that old thing because we got a new thing. And by the time you catch up with it, we're on to the next thing. <laughs> That's the dynamic nature of African diaspora culture. That You call it cultural appropriation? I just call it agency. Wow. It's just a, it's the power of, of, of African diasporic agency. We assert ourselves in so many ways that those who might take it without acknowledging it are always one step behind us. And I'm I'm cool with that. They can never catch us. They've been chasing us, and you know, as I tell, I joke all the time. Uh, black people invented walking. They invented talking. Uh, <laughs> so the things that come, we invented fire. I mean, we did a whole lot of stuff. You know, you get all Afrocentric, and I would say, well, if we did those things, then the things that grow out of it, we always been a step ahead, and we're not gonna. It's not gonna suddenly change, no matter what kind of things you impose on us: white supremacy, structure, Jim Crow, blah blah. All the things we talk about, those things don't limit us. We're just trying new ways to transcend it. And that's frustrating for people who are less creative or less committed or less resilient. Well, world, always appreciate you dropping it down. Like I said before, man, you got to come on when we're talking about Tubi movies and, uh, you know, the Super Bowl or something, man. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm really, I got. I keep threatening to have my racing sports um, 
uh, uh, podcast. I gotta have it. I go. I'm gonna work with you on that. Look, That's before we go, I got my two my two books. You gotta let's read. Let's do it. Let's do so it. Two books, and I'm gonna say this. I always say one book that people should admit they didn't read that they should have read. All right. The narrative of life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. You didn't read it. You should have read it. You didn't. Mm. I can't. I, okay. You should read it. I lost, it lost me. Okay. Yeah. That one is absolute read. I don't know if you can see it or not, but uh, uh, the narrative and life of Frederick Douglass by who? Yeah, by Frederick Douglass. Oh, by okay. All right. So that oh, one. Sorry. Here's the thing. <laughs> Douglass is, and I always tell people this. Remember that we have Black History Month for two people: Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. That the great Carter. He was the second black man to get a PhD from history, had two great heroes. They were Douglas and they were uh, Abraham Lincoln. And he made Negro History Week in honor of them. And Douglas celebrated his birthday on the 14th of February because that's uh, he didn't know when his birthday was, but he always honored his mother by doing that. So, yes, I celebrate Valentine's Day, but I usually celebrate Douglas's birthday. And so you got to do the narrative for the life of Frederick Douglas. Got to do it. And here's the thing. Open it up and read it. It's unbelievable. It's you can read it. You read it. You know that you think you know Douglas, and there's so many things about him. So that's one. Second yeah. one. My new, new favorite writer, S. A. Cosby. S. A. Cosby. He's a uh, uh, crime fiction writer. He's amazing. I'm reading this Blacktop Wasteland set in uh, uh, Virginia. Uh, it's amazing. Okay. It's, it's a really great book. S.A. Cosby, Blacktop Wasteland. He has a whole series of books. He's one of the hottest writers around. He's worth reading, okay? Yeah. Is, that, um, is that the first, is that a number of the series or? It's a series of books. I mean, he, I mean, you know, he's been, he's blown up. He's been on New York Times. But what I tell people is, what he's doing is, again, talk about elements of American style and elements of unique. You know, this is Black rural culture. It's got, it's got uh, at the at the core of it is that tension between um, black rural culture and white rural culture. How do you reconcile things like the uh, how black people interpret their experience in the South with the whites um, uh, about, you know, white cultures and white communities? How do we deal with issues around class? What are the common grounds? You know, one people celebrating the Confederate flag and, and there was always the running critique and skepticism of those who live in those communities. So yeah. while the outside world might critique the uh, Confederate flag, that's been an ongoing conversation within the communities because S.A. Cosby is from a rural Virginia community and he's writing about, he's just infusing the genre of crime, hmm. but he's but he's making that comment about, um, you know, his, his books are really a commentary about culture, right? And about the idea that Black people always coexist with white people and they fashion ways to exist uh, that always that don't always result in violence, but that but the, but also have a tacit acknowledgement of the history that they both share and the places where they diverge. This writer, S.A. Cosby, people got to read more. Black people need to read more of him. He's he's gotten the accolades, uh, but now we need to read more of those and not just our, our what I call the uh, the canon text. Yes, we have to read Toni Morrison and yeah. Nikki Giovanni. We got to read all those important people. But this is a young writer who's doing his thing at a level that anybody who is 45 to 20 would under it would, would understand. The language is there, the style is there, uh, it's got everything going for it. And it's, and it's, it's set in a rural space. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, please go see American Fiction, which is, you gotta see American Fiction in the movie, you gotta see it. It's a critique 
on American culture that's unequal. You, you talking about you want to have me on? Let's have a whole session about American fiction. Oh my goodness. That's don't that's get me. Y'all heard them. World, I love you, man. I appreciate you, big bro. All right, kiss uh, hugs to you. Kiss the kids, man. And let's uh let's let's do this again sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Take care of yourself, man. Again, I want to thank my big brother, Dr. Williams, for always showing up and showing out, man. Always teaching us something, always correcting me when I'm wrong and uh, making and making the fun listen to. I'm sure he's a tough teacher. I'm positive he's a tough teacher, but you definitely learn a lot. Oh, but, I, man. That, that, that's a tough that. A. That's a tough hey, A, man. Hey, hey, that, that paper's coming back with some red marks. <laughs> <laughs> and a smile, you dig? So he left us with two books, as always. The first book is The Narrative and Life of Frederick Douglass by Frederick Douglass. And S.A. Cosby, The Black Top Wasteland. The name of the book, again, Black Top Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. We'll put those in the notes as well. So thank you guys for checking out the Super Duper Pie. As we, I missed anything. No, I think covered it all. Again, I want to thank Dr. Williams for joining us. Make sure you take care of yourselves and each other. Leave us a review. Please like us on Instagram, TikTok, share it. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff. Comment, all that fun stuff. So Sarah can respond. And then we make, we thank you for all that you guys do. Making our show what it is. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other. Hey, mama, this is the Super Duper Podcast. That's champagne, real pain, real pain, champagne from you and I. Wait, you a lie? Now that's champagne, if you was I, would you be off on this campaign? Is it suicide? If you know that bringing hope is how careers die. Or do the case stand for kamikaze? For Jay Silent, it's everywhere you can feel them falling. Sugar, lately, I've been up late with what? demons in my basement trying to get me to hate this. What? Life thinking I should be further, and then I choke up. As soon as I got silent, then the truth spoke up. This is how you know you ain't perfect. Let that soak up and soak in. You know how you know that you're blessed. I woke up, and then oh my God, feeling myself know why. I, I woke up, that's all it takes to be great, y'all. That's all it takes.